God's exiled people are urged to stop being afraid. The Lord is about to lead them home and assures them of his protection. A reading from the book of the prophet Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall you shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will re- renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at that time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Canticle 9, the first song of Isaiah. Would you please stand as you are able as we sing together? reading from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. 
Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And, what, and we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Liturgically, we have a very busy day today. Um, We're dedicating a new cornerstone, and I'll explain a little bit more about that later. We're also doing a service of commendation for Doris Kyle, who died a couple of weeks ago. Um, And all of that trying to fit into Advent. Um, As I sat down to write this sermon, I wondered, how do these lessons all fit, or how do these things all fit together with the lessons? We've changed. It used to be that Advent, we used the color purple. Now we're using blue. Um, And Advent used to be seen as kind of a mini Lent. Um, We were penitential during the season of Advent. We were sort of confessing our sins just like during Lent. And that wasn't the original intent of Advent. The original intent of Advent was a season of hope. And so we changed away from the purple, which we used during Lent, to the blue, to remind ourselves that this is about hope, that we are waiting for the beginning. The word Advent means beginning. We are awaiting a new beginning, God's new beginning. Zephaniah, the prophet, stands in that great tradition of restoration prophets, um, talking about the day when God will restore Jerusalem. The Jews had gone into exile. They were in Babylon. They were looking for the day that they could return to Jerusalem. And Zephaniah 
gives them that hope. The day is coming when I will exalt in Jerusalem um, and restore all of, the, all of your walls and your city. The canticle also from Isaiah is in that great tradition of prophets of, of hope. The line that struck me um, as I was writing this sermon is, they will draw water with rejoicing. Um, that line doesn't mean a whole lot to us. We only walk to the tap and turn on the water, and there it is. In Louis, it means a whole lot more. People actually have to go to the well. Several years ago, before we had started helping them drill wells, that meant waiting in long lines, and people tended to get angry, and somebody would cut, and there would be cut into line, and there would be fights. Now they actually draw water with rejoicing. The wells are a place where you hear laughter as people come to get water. That's the way God is going to restore, um, restore the world for us. On the first Sunday of Advent, which is our feast day, we're Church of the Advent, and we typically celebrate our great feast day on the first Sunday of Advent, um, we were in the little village of Katabusi, out in the bush in Africa. Noel Knight, the pastor of Lozo, um, when he was welcoming me there, he welcomed me to the interior of Africa. It is really the interior. It didn't look at first when we got there like we were going to get the chance to go to Lozo. We didn't know if there was a vehicle lined up. And uh, Debbie Smith, the team leader, was able to get a vehicle. We were headed to Lozo. And I said last week as we were driving down that road, there came three men walking out of the bush towards us, one of them quite tall. And Deb said, that's Noel Knight. And sure enough, it was. Manyugugu stopped the car, jumped out. We greeted everybody on the road. That was really a God moment. If we had come down that road five minutes later, they would have turned off the road into the bush to Katabusi and we'd have missed them. As it was, Noel said, go on to Lozo, see the church, walk down to the river, then come back. I'm celebrating communion out here at Katabusi. Um, it was their harvest festival, their Thanksgiving. And so he said, we're celebrating Eucharist. Eucharist is not a weekly event in Louis like it is here. Um, usually about four times a year. So this was a great occasion for them. And I was delighted to be able to be in that place on our feast day and their feast day celebrating Eucharist. Um, when I got back last Saturday night and came to church on Sunday, I think I sort of sleepwalked through the service, and I'm glad Nathaniel was here to sort of point me where I needed to go. But I was standing at the altar listening to the prayer, and the line that stuck me, st struck me in the Eucharistic prayer is at the very end, in the fullness of time, gather all, bring us with all your saints from every tribe and language and people and nation to feast at the banquet prepared from the foundation of the world. That's the hope that the prophets saw. Standing at that table in Katabusi, a little table covered with what we would consider a bed sheet, having sugar cookies and tea for Eucharist, I realized it's the same table as this one. And not just the same form, but the same table. This is the foretaste of the kingdom. And on that great day, all of those tables will be gathered into one, and we will celebrate together. The prophets, when they looked forward to the restoration of Jerusalem, they often saw it in political terms. Jerusalem would once again be the powerful kingdom that it was, and all of the nations would come to pay tribute to Jerusalem. 
that's not what we hope for. We don't see that in terms of the conversion of the heathen. We don't see that as in terms of us being the most powerful people. It's all of us, whether from the interior of Africa or from suburban America, coming to stand at the same table. All of the people of God eating together. The people who came out to John the Baptist were expecting something new and exciting and thought that John was another one of these prophets in this tradition of prophets of restoration and perhaps even the Messiah. And they asked him, what should we do to bring about that new reality? And his answer is so stunningly simple as to be mind-blowing. If you have two coats, share one. If you have extra food, share it. If you're a tax collector, those despised and horrible people, don't collect more than your due. If you're a soldier, don't extort advantage. Be satisfied with your wages. That's what this new kingdom is about. As we were getting ready to fly out of the Mundry International Airport, that's what they call that little strip of red dirt there in the bush, um, the pilot landed and said, I hope they told you that there's a weight limit for your luggage of 10 kilograms each. No, they hadn't told us. We thought we had 15 kilograms. So he got out his scale and weighed everybody and said, okay, you're 16 kilograms overweight. Now, if that had been a commercial flight, I think I might have complained and said, now, come on, we paid for these tickets. But it's a little airplane, a little, you know, the pilot knows his airplane. It's a short runway. He said, we're not taking off with those 16 kilograms. I believed him. Um, Somebody had a hard-sided suitcase that we'd use to bring over the art supplies to keep them from getting damaged. And he said, well, I don't need to take that back. So we opened it up, and we all started throwing things in it. I had a Bible and a prayer book in English. Got plenty of those back here. Don't need those. Threw that in there. Um, other people threw books that they'd brought to read or extra clothes. The nurses threw in the extra drugs that they had brought for us that we wouldn't need going back. Closed up that suitcase. He weighed it. said 40 kilograms were okay. It's amazing what you can live without. It's amazing how much is enough and what you don't need. Don't need that, don't need that, and, and there we were, 40 kilograms lighter. John says, you have two coats, share one. You can't wear them both at the same time. That's what that kingdom looks like. We come to church not because our friends are here, not because we get comfort here, not because it's habit. We certainly come for all of those reasons. But the real reason we come to church is to line ourselves up with God's purposes for the whole world. We come so that we can stand at this table and celebrate here and stand at that little table in Katabusi with that little community there and celebrate there the foretaste of what God has planned for the world. The bishop taught us a song in, in Sudan, and I'm not going to sing it because I don't sing well unaccompanied, um, but it's from the Talmud, and the Talmud scholars had a saying about Jerusalem. Ten measures of beauty God gave to the world, nine for Jerusalem, one for the rest. Ten measures of sorrow God gave to the world, nine to Jerusalem, one to the rest. So pray Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He taught us that, but he substituted Sudan. Ten measures of beauty God gave to, Sudan, to the world. One, nine for Sudan, one for the rest. 
and measures of sorrow God gave to the world. Nine for Sudan, one to the rest. So pray, pray for the peace of Sudan. That substitution is exactly what this hope is is about. It's not that Jerusalem will be the greatest kingdom. It's not that the United States will be the greatest kingdom on earth. It's that God will give God's peace to everyone. Substitute Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere that needs peace. That's what we hope for. So we're doing a lot today. We're blessing this new cornerstone. We held the Walk With Us campaign as part of our 50th anniversary. In 1957, this congregation was formed. Um, We began our 50th anniversary in 2007. In 1959, this building was dedicated. We had hoped to do an expansion um, in 2009. Uh, We knew what we had had pledged for the Walk With Us campaign. And we thought, well, we'll borrow against that. And then the economy went south. We said, no, not a good idea to borrow. So we will hopefully break ground. We will break ground in 2010 um, with, with whatever it is that we're doing. And so we're blessing this cornerstone, which now says 1959 through 2009, as part of our 50th anniversary. And it's important to me that we're blessing it as part of a new entryway. Jesus was walking through the temple with his disciples and they were looking at the beautiful stones and he said, the day is coming when not one stone will be left on another. This is not about beautiful stones. It's not about a pretty church. It's about the entryway into our church to make that gate wider so that people can come to this table. People of all sorts can stream in to join the feast from every tribe and language and people and nation. We're also commending Doris Kyle to God. She died just before I left for Sudan. She is giving her body to Wash U Medical School so we have no body to bury. And her nephew in, in, um, in Canada thought it would be good to do this on a Sunday when I got back. Um, when I first got to Advent, I came in November, and I think it was after I'd been here about two months, probably January, I came in the back door, I unlocked the door, I got all the lights on and everything like that and forgot to open the front door. Um, And at the 8 o'clock service, Doris and Gus were the first to get here and stood at that door and knocked until I finally heard them in the parish hall and ran out and opened the door on a bitter cold January day. I never forgot to open that door again. Doris was a great visit. Um, It was always fun to go visit her. She had a thousand stories to tell and and would laugh and carry on. And today, we're surrendering her from this table fellowship into that feast that we anticipate, into that feast that we hope for, that feast that happens at a little wooden table in Katabusi and at a beautiful altar here in Crestwood. And we look forward to the day when we join her in that place. It's a bunch of good things to be doing on a Sunday in Advent. We are hoping for God's restoration of the world, which begins to shine forth in the birth of Jesus, who gathers all of those people together in one feast. And so it's a good thing for us on this Advent Sunday to do that, hoping for the future and looking to the past. Amen.